the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas now we can see and hear it we can remember and accept it i vow to make the buddha's truth one with myself homage to the buddha homage to the dharma homage to the sangha So today I'm going to talk about Maitreya, whose festival we just celebrated. Very nice, it's lovely. Maitreya, his name means the loving one. It's from Maitri or Metea from Metta, loving kindness. He's a loving kindness Buddha. He's the Buddha that is to come, the future Buddha. And he's waiting in the Tushita heaven for his moment, his time to be reborn as the next Buddha. Well, he's the oldest of the Bodhisattvas because even the Buddha talks about him and he doesn't talk about any of the others. But Maitreya, he talks about in one of his scriptures who will come and preach the Dharma like Shakyamuni did. Well, apparently there have been a lot of Buddhas before Shakyamuni and there are going to be more Buddhas after. So that's encouraging. But they might, there might be a long time between them. It could be billions of years between Buddhas. So, you know, we don't want to wait. <clears throat> Well, there's different representations of Maitreya. Sometimes he's sitting with his feet down like this, ready to get up and help beings, just to get up and do it, you know. And there's the contemplative Maitreya, that one little picture there, and the picture on that one there, and, yeah, that one there, and that little statue there, show this contemplative Maitreya, with one foot crossed on the other knee like this, and his hand to his fair cheek, contemplating, this is a very famous image in Japan and Korea, and um, I really like it. Living in the Toshita heaven, waiting to become the next Buddha, and perfecting his virtues. Not just sitting there saying, I'm going to be the next Buddha, but he's actually working on himself, doing his training still. And he's looking down at the suffering beings, contemplating them and how to help them. How can I help people? You know, it's not just sitting there feeling good about himself. He's looking at the world. I'm the next Buddha, I better, you know, be ready for that and look at what's going on. Then there's the laughing Buddha, the monk with a sack. There he is up there. There he is over there, you know. And that's kind of like that, but I'll talk about him in a minute. Well, this piece is an actual person. There was a person, a monk called Putai or Hote in Japanese, and he would walk around with a sack full of candy and sweets and toys and give them to children. And he was greatly loved for his kindness. And at the end of the, his life, it's said that he recited a verse, Maitreya, Maitreya everywhere, yet people do not see him. And so people thought, he must have been Maitreya. We missed him, you know. They hadn't recognized him, so they made statues of him and venerated them. And he's been venerated like this ever since. There's something really nice about that. Just the, the, there's the contemplative side, you know, working on things and looking at the suffering of the world. And there's the joyful, generous, loving side. I think it's nice to have both. Well, this is my little statue. My little... Uh, Maitreya. It looks just like Reverend Master Jiyu. 
<laughs> you really tell if you knew her you'd know what i mean really just like a, this lovely lovely uh, joyful presence you know well her boundless ease her, her compassion her kindness boundless compassion and joy even in the midst of all conditions you know today is her 100th birthday she was born on the 1st of january 1924 so it's a 100th birthday today i'm glad she didn't have to be here to see it i'm sorry <laughs> it would not have been much fun of all that's gone on in the world since then since she died and she had a special affinity with my prayer maybe partly because it's her, her birthday is on his festival day but she always had a special thing for my prayer my prayer is very approachable he was greatly venerated for a long time because it's easy to be reborn in his tishi to heaven easier than amitabha's pure land even you know you didn't have to do anything special you just be an ordinary person you didn't have to have special accomplishments or anything you could just be reborn in his land easily and um people like that you know it doesn't mean you don't train yourself but you don't have to be a perfect person his great virtue kindness and benevolence and there's lovely stories about it. i'm going to tell you one of them i hope i can remember it all let me just remind myself because my brain freezes up when i do what i'm talking about to be depressing there we are there we are yes asanga he was one of the great masters in the yogacara tradition i'm not going to talk about the yogacara it's all right but he had a great um love for maitreya and he spent 12 years in a cave in the himalayas contemplating maitreya devoted to maitreya and you know seeing try to see my prayer for 12 years he does this and he has no sense of my prayer no matter never turns up never comes to see him he never gets a sense that he is actually making any progress in his training at all this may seem familiar to some of us and after 12 years he kind of gives up and he goes to town and on the way he passes a wounded dog who's been badly harmed and this this is gross it's it's uh, wounded it's dying and it's got maggots eating it this happens and he's just overcome with pity for this poor beast and he thinks how am i going to save this beast and not kill the maggots we go to town to get a knife trades his stuff for, for a knife comes back to cut off some of his own flesh to feed these maggots just a bit well anyway it, this is what he apparently does and then he thinks well how am i going to get the maggots off this dog without killing them and he says i know what i'll do i'll take them off with my tongue i said it was gross <laughs> but before he actually has to do this the dog transforms into maitreya radiant beautiful bodhisattva of the full works you know beautiful radiant being filled with compassion and loving kindness and the sangha is completely overwhelmed and bursts into tears and says Where have you been all this time? I've been praying here for 12 years and you never came but here you are now. Well my uh, my prayer explains, you know, because of his great compassion for this poor and suffering beast, gross uh, about to do something really you know, nobody wanted to do that. But um he has shown his actual his devotion to my prayer with this incredible act of kindness and selflessness. And he says um carry me on your shoulders into town to so, 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 so
my tray on his shoulders into town. But other people, all they, all they see is this monk carrying an old, wounded, suppurating dog. But it's my trail. Very interesting story. And he was devoted to him ever since. Then, there's another story. Swan Sang, the monk who went to India to, get the, to gain the scriptures. He had this long journey, very, very famous. Um, the journey to the West. Swan Sang. And he went to India to get, the, to get copies of the scriptures <clears throat> so he could bring them back to China and translate them for the Chinese. Well, on his way, no, he is in India, that's it. He was in India on a boat in the Ganges. And the boat was attacked by pirates, very fierce, savage, bloodthirsty beings. And they robbed all the people, and they, were, you know, they, they wanted to make a sacrifice to their god. And they saw Swan Sung, who was sitting there very still and dignified. They thought, ah, he'd make a great sacrifice. So they took him and said, you know, we're going to cut head off and sacrifice you. He said, well, just wait a few minutes. Just still my mind until I'll be ready for this. He didn't resist. He just said, let me just be still. And he sat and uh, contemplated Maitreya because he was devoted to Maitreya. And he was so wrapped in bliss contemplating Maitreya, he completely forgot about the pirates and everything. And a great storm came up. And all the pirates were overwhelmed and, and the trees were uprooted and the boat was, you know, sinking and so forth. And the pirates were completely schlepagasted. Oh, oh dear, we better not kill this guy. Clearly he has friends in high places and we'd better, um, you know, do something different. So they actually repented completely of their acts and became disciples. They uh, took the precepts. And that was a really nice story. And then, because Tuan Song had asked, actually, I've forgotten this, he had asked that he could be, re- if he was going to be killed, he could be reborn so that he could teach these pirates to change their ways. But he didn't have to die and be reborn. They changed right there because they saw that he was not afraid to die and that he had just this loving kindness of Maitreya. So um, that's another nice story. I think I got most of it. Yep. Anyway. This is from Faces of Compassion by Tigan Dan Layton. He does some, has some lovely stories about bodhisattvas. And there's a, a couple of them that I really like. So, he was, you know, he has these great um, attributes, loving kindness. Which well, said that Maitreya was originally one of the Buddha's disciples named Ajita. Maybe that's how the Buddha you know, talked about him. Well, Ajita wasn't a very good trainee. He wasn't very impressive. He didn't seem to really do very much. Young, actually, and, and not very, you know, impressive. But Shakyamuni predicted that he'd be the next Buddha. There was some kind of event happened, and Ajita was sort of clearly had more going on than just being foolish and naive. And the Buddha said, Shakyamuni said, ah, he's going to be the next Buddha. So you never know. You never know. It's like Shantideva. You never know what you know, a person may be actually training with. You think they may not be that bright, or we may not be that bright. Maybe there's more going on than we know, even in ourselves. So. And then he's also in the Lotus Scripture, the famed seeker Bodhisattva who just wanted fame and gain, who'd learn the Scriptures and then forget them. But he was very kind-hearted. And again, 
He was able to train with many Buddhas because he was kind-hearted. And here he is, Maitreya. So, this can be encouraging for us. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have everything organized, you know, have perfect meditation or anything. We can just do our best and practice kindness and compassion. Really important. Kindness and compassion. And we do our best to meditate and keep to the precepts and so on. Because they are the way to stop creating suffering. We're just not just being nice here. But to practice kindness and benevolence is incredibly helpful. So, kindness and compassion lead to wisdom. They work together. Well, we just recited this litany of Maitreya, which is long. Every now and then I think, should we shorten it? But I couldn't take any of those beings out. There's wonderful laws of healing and of beings with resolute eyes watching beings and ones waiting for spending eons with a single person, you know. How could you take any of those people out? So here we are, we have them all. And they're all attributes of those who live in Maitreya's dwelling place, the Tushita Heaven. Because they're really actually attributes of Maitreya. They all exemplify wisdom, deep wisdom, and compassion and benevolence, appearing in different forms to help beings. There's a few of them I've this struck me particularly with this, with this talk. This is the dwelling place of those with generosity, discipline, patience, and zeal, whose meditation has brought forth the fruits of wisdom. That's all the six paramitas of a bodhisattva, the practices that bodhisattvas do. Generosity, discipline, ethics, patience, and zeal, effort. Meditation and wisdom. Those are the six right there. This is the dwelling place of those whose wisdom is as vast and far-reaching as space itself. And there's always descriptions of wisdom that we even, it's hard to even fathom what they're talking about, some of these descriptions of this deep wisdom of knowing that actually things are not as they appear to be. This is the dwelling place of those who are moved to pity by the misery of others, who, upon seeing all about them, multitudes of beings of all kinds, intent on following wicked ways, accept the pain and bitterness such beings bestow upon them, without taking retaliation, but instead, let loose the radiance of their great and merciful benevolence, so that all suffering is completely removed and extinguished. No judgment, no resentment, as it says. It doesn't say wicked beings. It says beings intent on following wicked ways. That's interesting. It doesn't talk about wicked people or bad people. It just... People do bad things. doesn't mean they're innately wicked. All beings are part of Buddha nature. I think it's nice that intent on following wicked ways, not wicked beings. And they let loose the radiance, their great and merciful, great and merciful benevolence to help with suffering. Because being a person intent on following wicked ways, you're not a happy person. It's just suffering. You're creating it and you're suffering. This is the dwelling place of those compassionate and tender ones who upon seeing the multitudes of beings everywhere taking on suffering, interesting, taking on suffering, radiate from their heart great benevolence and wisdom, vowing to act always for the weal of others. So it goes on and on, all these beings helping other beings in all possible ways, all aspects of Maitreya. And finally the person who's speaking this says, I now reverently bow to you, 
who for the benefit of all ever manifest yourself in myriad forms whilst relying upon the true self in capitals. So Maitreya helps being in all, beings in all these very many ways, but he never loses sight of the true self, the Buddha nature within himself and within all beings. He never loses sight of that. He helps all these beings, but he never loses sight of the fundamental wisdom from which he can act. How could you do all that if you didn't have that stillness within? So who is really my who is Maitreya really? He can be seen as a as a bodhisattva, you know, out there somewhere, but he's also within us. He's our hope for the future. He's not some savior who's going to come and save us all. We might have to wait for five billion years, so he might, you know, don't want to wait. He teaches us how to rescue ourselves because we can follow these ways of benevolence, kindness, and faith and hope and joy. Because we are Maitreya also. We are the Buddha that is to come. He symbolizes our own potential for Buddhahood. He's not just somebody else out there. It's us. We have these aspects. We have these qualities within us. We can practice them. And we will become Buddha. We're already on our way. We're here. We're doing the training. We're practicing. We're doing our best. We are already on our way to becoming Buddha, like all beings. And we can train ourselves in compassion and wisdom and help ourselves, help each other, and help the world. It needs it, no matter how dark things may look. You know? No matter how poorly we fee- may feel we're training, sometimes we do. We will become Buddha, and we can help. Ajita wasn't a very impressive trainee, but he became, you'll be the future Buddha. Fame seeker Bodhisattva, kind-hearted. They weren't very impressive people, but they were predicted for Buddhahood. And we, we will not think we're terribly impressive people, but we're doing the practice, we're doing our best, and we should trust that. We all have kindness within ourselves, no matter who we are or what we may have got up to in the past. Some people maybe appear to be beyond all hope of kindness, do dreadful things. But maybe they'll learn compassion and wisdom in the future. We hope, I'm sure they will. It might take a long time, but all beings have that potential for compassion and wisdom. So never to give up on anybody, no matter what it looks like. It's not up to us to judge. There's a lot more going on with people than we might know. We don't know why people are the way they are. We don't know what it's like to be another person. And we don't want to give up on anybody because all of us can change for the better, whoever we may be. So there's always hope for the future, no matter how dark things may appear in our world. There's always Buddha nature within all beings and within all things, and we must know, don't want to forget that. That is how we can practice faith and hope and joy. In the Maitreya Offertory, he says he has a heart full of joy and merriment, who knows that it is unsafe to inhabit the three realms of existence. Life is not safe. Even if you live in a comparatively safe place, there's old age, sickness and death to every, comes to all of us if we're lucky. We're all going to die. If we get lucky, we get old. And we're very lucky to get sick. Everybody does sometimes. And nevertheless, despite all this, Maitreya has a heart full of joy and merriment. Faith and courage Amidst difficulty and insecurity, there's hope and joy, even in darkness. And we can practice that. We can practice hope. And we can 
allow joy into our life. We don't have to be constantly dwelling on the awfulnesses. But just to allow joy to arise. It's, it's good for our world, it's good for us to allow a little joy into our life, to practice joy, actually. We've talked about this at other, at other times. Life has always been unpredictable and unstable. It's always been hard. You know, in ancient times it was worse. People were slaughtering each other all the time, what they are now. But not quite so universally as it used to be, it seems. Who knows? But it's always been a bit like this. It's this samsara, after all. You don't expect it to suddenly be great. But we can practice faith and joy. And we can practice loving kindness, the loving kindness of Maitreya. Maitreya, the loving one. We don't have to try to love everybody. It doesn't really work. But we can always practice kindness as best we can. And by doing that, we can love people more. If we are not kind, and we're just selfish and we harden our hearts, we kind of cut ourselves off from people. It's me and them or me and that person I don't like. But if we're kind, we stand to soften that. We soften that sort of shell of self and let it become more permeable. And by being kind, we find that actually other people are pretty much like us. We're not that different. It's not me over here and everybody else out there. So we're all just part of the same body. By being kind, practicing kindness, we allow that loving kindness, that loving aspect to come forth. But we don't have to try and create it because it's actually already there within us. We don't have to manufacture something. We just have to let it out. Our world really needs kindness. The antidote to hatred and anger. So we can practice kindness and we can offer merit to other beings and to our world. It really needs it. Loving kindness, hope and joy. There is joy. There is hope for the future. We are the Buddha of the future. All of us, all beings. But on the way even now, as I said, doing our training, going on and doing our best, practicing courage and faith and kindness. Because life is unsafe and everybody has suffering. No matter who they are, everybody needs kindness. So as I said, today is Rev. Master Jiyu's 100th birthday. And she exemplified the life of faith and courage. And hope and joy, no matter what was going on, there's some awful thing would be going on. And she would laugh, you know. And she had this sort of comforting presence because of her faith, her deep faith, and knowing that it's unsafe to inhabit this world, and yet you just do your best. And there is something beyond the immediate things, much deeper than our little circumstances, in which we can take refuge, the true refuge of Buddha nature that everybody has, that is within everything. We can always come back to that, our true refuge. And that is how we manage to live a life of faith and kindness and joy. So, Reverend Master's example, you know, she could be tough. It would much, the loving kindness is much, is much deeper than just being nice to people because she really wanted the best for people. And sometimes it was not sweetness. She could be really, t- really tough, I know. And yet, I'm so grateful to her because she was like that. She wasn't just nice. She was really deeply wise and always sat still and in the midst of all conditions in that deep-rooted 
faith in the Dharma, faith in the, t- the three treasures. So we remember her with gratitude on this New Year's Day. And that's it. Happy New Year. And thank you, all of you who are here, the ones who came for the retreat, the ones who just came here today, the ones who have been here and we continue, all of us, thank you.